so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. We are free! Hey everyone, this is Ho Ho Hong Kong with me. Vivek Mabupani and just me again this time. What, what, what's going on? Tell me, Viv. What's happened to Mohammed, the other Mohammed? What's going on? Is he is he held hostage? Is he sick again? Is he just MIA? What's happening? Well, let me tell you. First of all, um, I've been really busy. And what happens is when two schedules just can't align, we have to somehow make the podcast happen. And silly old me has all the equipment. So that's why I decided, Mo, don't worry. I got this. I will, no matter what happens, I will record an episode. And that's why I'm here alone in my room. You might have noticed from the acoustics. If you did, wow, you definitely have some high quality headphones. And if you did not, that's okay because we don't really care. All right, it doesn't really matter. You can't be like, oh, I want to listen to this episode where it's in Vivek's room with his microphone using this model number from Sennheiser. No, no, none of that, right? Basically, the podcast is just two guys talking stuff. And the fact that the two guys are not there, it's just one guy talking stuff. Yay! So, this episode, I wanted to talk to you about a few things that people always ask me, which is Viv. What exactly do you do behind the scenes, okay? How does a comedian, like, run his daily business? And... I always tell people, see, you must understand, as much as I might be chaotic on stage, the truth is, to a certain extent, all the successful comedians have to have some sort of system to make the things work. Now, for me, I sometimes go over the top. For example, if anyone joined us at the Jason Leung uh, comedy show last uh, Saturday at PMQ, you would have seen me running around from left to the right of the room and just making sure stuff's happening. As always, with every show, chaos always ensues whenever the moment the show starts. And the same thing happened, but luckily for me, uh, everything worked out smoothly. In other words, Nobody, you know, fell over their chair laughing. Nothing happened where, you know, the, the lights fell off the ceiling or, uh, I don't know, like, basically some guy just decided to yell out, ah, don't speak English. You know, maybe none of that. Everything was smooth. The show was great. And after that, what happens is with every comedian is you always have those moments where you have to pay your debts. In other words, you know, you know, just like caffeine where you have a cup of coffee when you're really tired and like, I'm going to power through this with some coffee. Yeah. And of course, you always pay that debt. There's always a cost. And so the day after the show, man, uh, Jason, Leung, uh, Muhammad, myself, we were all crushed. Like we were just exhausted to the point where we're thinking like, why do we even do this, man? This is ridiculous, right? However, it's all good. Jason went back to uh, Malaysia. Uh, Muhammad is actually, by the time you hear this episode, he's probably on his way to Egypt. That's right. He has decided... It is time for him to go back to the motherland and feel the essence of his culture, the culture of Egypt. Ah! And so I decided, you know what, let me tell you guys, a lot of the times I get asked the question, which is, Viv, we really want to know, on top of the comedy, on top of the podcast, what exa- how, does your, how does your day go? So, uh, Mohammed will know this very well, having worked with me multiple times. He will know I am quite crazy when it comes to gigs. My level of requirements slash perfectionism just comes out in full force. And I expect everyone around me to come to my standards, which is ridiculous, which I'm okay with. All right. I'm okay with it. So, first things first. Let me just run you through my week so far since like last weekend, okay? So just to give you an idea of what I actually do on a daily basis on top of the quote-unquote comedy. So on the 19th of June, which is a Monday... 
because uh, Dr. Jason Zung's show is an officially licensed show. In other words, it has to have this entertainment license. So the Hong Kong government has a thing called the Temporary Place of Public Entertainment, a TPBE license that you need to have to put on a show for the public. Funny enough that because of the way the system works, and especially how most shows are on the weekend and the government doesn't work on the weekends, I had to go get my license on 19th of June for a show that happened on 17th of June. In other words, had the government come and checked my show on the 17th of June, I would not have a legitimate license to present to them. However, what I would have, and I kid you not, is an official IOU notice from the FEHD that basically says, oh yeah, we will totally license you, but we're going to give it to you later after the show is done. And when I asked the FEHD guy, the Food and Environment Health uh, Department, I was like, wait, what? This is how it works? They're like, yeah, buddy, this is how it works for pretty much all the shows because when the show happens on a Saturday, they only come and inspect the venue on a Friday, which means they can only process the stuff by Monday. You get my point? You see how, how bizarre this whole thing is? And clearly, we haven't had only one show happening in Hong Kong over the, all these years, right? We've had multiple shows, which means this issue has been an issue forever, for God knows how long, okay? So I go on Monday, I go show up, I go to one try, I go pick it up and stuff, and I love going to government departments because this is the one place where interior design and renovation gets no priority, Right, I go there, and if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen me take photos of like a, the old school phone on the wall. You got some chairs and stuff like that. So I go there, I get the license done. Yes, I love it, right? Now I have a Zoom call at 4 p.m. It is now 3.20 p.m., so I have a few choices. Number one, I can Zoom back home and basically be in my private space where it's all quiet and pristine and do the call, or I can find a quiet place somewhere outside. Now I'm in Wan Chai, which, which gives me a few different spots. For example, I can go to some of the government departments and pretend I'm waiting for my turn and just sit there in a corner and just do my Zoom call, right? In the air conditioning, which I, as a taxpayer I paid for. Uh, however, it'll be awkward where I'm trying to be as professional as I can with the Zoom call, so that corner won't work. Secondly, I can go find a coffee shop, which again would not work because coffee shop has people and music, which again doesn't help me as well. So finally, what can I do? And you know what Mr. Smart my smart Guy over here does? My paralysis analysis kicks in. And now I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I should take a bus. No, no, maybe I'll go home. No, no, maybe I'll go here, right? And I end up basically stuck in one shot for 10 minutes thinking like, which is the best option? And finally, I run out of options. Exactly. For anyone out there who loves overthinking issues, <laughs> welcome to my world. So I find myself in the middle of one chai. I have 10 minutes to get somehow quiet. And I decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go sit in a park, right? Clearly, it must be quiet. So I have, I, I go sit down in Southern Playground, which basically people play soccer and stuff. I find the most acoustically pleasant area, which is basically back to the trees, in uh, back to the bushes and stuff like that. So, you know, you don't get so much noise. And I realize one big issue. With Zoom calls, a lot of clients assume that they get to see your video, right? Yeah, fair. That's great. Mr. Smart Guy over here did not have a tripod stand to hold his phone, which means now I have to have my hand out like I'm like a selfie stick for myself so I can do the video call. However, I do not want the client to know that I am in fact here with my arm out trying to pretend I'm a selfie stick. And so the whole time I'm using one arm out, okay? So think, imagine my right arm stretched out 
and my left arm is under my right arm trying to hold it up because man, my shoulder after five minutes of holding it out straight was like, oh, this hurts. So the whole time during the meeting, I'm like powering through burning sensation in my shoulder while I'm talking to the client and trying to big by do your biggest smile. You're like, hey, no problem, that's a great idea. We could totally make that work, yay, right? And I do all that stuff and then the meeting is done and that's when I immediately just drop the phone and I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't even raise my arms anymore. So that is just my afternoon on Monday, okay? And then after that, I've got uh, a few things to prepare on Monday night because I have a gig on Tuesday. It's for a charity gig, which I find myself at the Clearwater Bay Golf and Country Club. Now, first of all, if you all know, I live on Hong Kong Island. Clearwater Bay is on the other side of Kowloon. It's all the way on the east side, which means I have to somehow trek myself all the way there. Now, when it comes to golf and country clubs, what people go there? Generally, they're pretty well-off and successful people, right? And with well-off and successful people, what happens? They usually don't like people like myself showing up. In other words, the best way to make me not want to show up where they want to be is don't make it convenient to get there. Yeah! So now, the only way to get to that country club is either, I guess they maybe have like a once an hour shuttle bus or you take a taxi or an Uber, right? Now, you get get a taxi and dude, let me just say, I appreciate the level of distance that they have and I'm on the taxi going past venues I would never ever get into and I'm just driving, we're just driving, driving. We get there and then I get out of the taxi. I'm like, okay, I'm good, I show up. And I go to the, the, the reception and I'm like, hey, I'm here for the charity event today. And uh, they were like, oh, that's in our golf clubhouse. I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? what? What do you mean golf club? Yeah, this is the clubhouse. That's the golf clubhouse. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is another level, you know? Like, okay, so someone like myself, right, in Hong Kong, when you have the ability to have multiple rooms in your own house. You, you are living it up, man, where you're like, oh my God, you have a spare room? You have a room for that? Wow, right? This is another level when you have a clubhouse and then you have a golf clubhouse. Like, should you decide I wanna be in a clubhouse but not play golf, you come here. But if you wanna play golf, but you also want a clubhouse, you go there, all right? So I was like, okay, no problem, I'll go walk over there. They're like, yeah, it's not walkable. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, no, trust me, like, it's not walkable. I was like, so how do, how do clients, how do, how do your members go from this clubhouse to that clubhouse? They're like, they have cars. And I'm like, yeah, of course, of course they would. Like, of course they were driven here or they drove here. So they have their car parked out here. Like, duh. No one's taking a taxi to come here. Like, duh. So I look at them with these puppy eyes because I'm born in the year of the dog. I'm like, oh, but, but I got to go to the golf clubhouse because of charity. Oh, all right. And then they decide to call me a crew van that takes a crew from A to B, A to B, and they pick me up, all right? So I'm now in, in, in this little minibus, crew minibus thing. They're driving me to the golf clubhouse, and automatically I can see the transformation. At the clubhouse, people are, you know, wearing shirts, pants, sophisticated stuff like that. And as I'm getting at, go over to the golf clubhouse, I notice more and more people just wearing polo shirts, shorts, stuff like that. And I'm just like, whoa, this is so, so cool to see the transformation, right? I get up there, we go in there, we start the charity event, and it is an absolute beautiful day. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you have never been to it, by all means, please find a friend. Make your friend a member of this clubhouse so they pay the membership fees, but go and check it out. My God, I was over there thinking to myself, this is ridiculous, ridiculous, right? And then they started the charity event. It's for a good cause. It's for Children's Medical Foundation. I was more than happy to emcee that whole day. And the people started playing golf, right? So, of course, my job is in the middle of the day, go and interview some people, have a little chit chat with them, you know, ask them how they're doing, stuff like that. You know, it's all fun. And I get I get to walk on the golf course. Now, let me tell you something, people. 
I don't play golf for this specific reason because I don't have that much space in my ability to own land and property, right? Which is why um, I the only thing I know about golf is that usually the commentators are quite slow, slow and quiet, despite them basically not being able to interrupt the golf players, but they're always like, oh, no, you'll see over here. And I'm like, buddy, they can't hear you. You don't have to be this quiet about it, right? So what happens is I'm over there interviewing people and in between interviewing different guests, I'm walking around, right? And all of a sudden, a golf ball just like whizzes by me, like that. I'm like, wait, well, huh? I'm just like, wait, hold on, what? And then one of the staff yells at me like, oh, it's very dangerous where you are. Golf balls are flying all over the place. So I'm like thinking, I'm like, what? What is going on? These guys were just here putting their golf ball and I cannot stay here because the other people are going to put their golf ball and smash me. I was like, I am so, this is, this is how you know. Even your DNA as a person is telling you, yeah, you don't belong here. I think you should leave right now. All right, so I remember doing that gig. I finished that whole day, and it was it was quite exhausting because like you know it was a full day event, but it was really really rewarding because I got to meet different people, raise some money for good cons and stuff like that. And that's my Tuesday, okay? So that's my whole Tuesday. I come back home uh, and I get back to my work. All right, Wednesday happens. I have to go for meetings and stuff like that, discussing with different projects and different ideas with people. All good. And then at nighttime, I had my friend uh, Jeffrey Andrews. It was his birthday, and we had a surprise birthday party for him. So I'm over there. And these guys started singing karaoke, and that's when my brain was like, oh my god, I can't do karaoke, stuff like that. And basically, zooming all over through the week, basically it's just meetings, gigs, work, this kind of stuff. Now, we go into uh, Friday, right? So Friday, I got to do this gig basically called Onogenesis, where I was in this thing called Proto-Hologram. If you don't know what it is, go check out my Instagram, at funnyvivek. You will see a post where you have a picture of me, in a, basically in a room, uh, in front of a camera, but I'm projected on a hologram in a separate room, where I I interact with people. It's a lot of fun. So I was doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, things, you know, uh, that's basically my, 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 my week. Okay. So on top of, even if you see like, oh, there's no show for you, you must be sitting around doing nothing. Actually, no, in fact, I'm quite busy as well in my own own way. However, what I will say though, is as much as many people might tell me, oh man, my Viv, you know, like when, when do you write the comedy? Now, the truth is this is a real challenge because my comedy doesn't just come out where I just sit and write five minutes. I mean, a lot of comedians can do that. And I've read many books where they're like, oh, I got 10 minutes let me slap out you know three ideas for me i really thoroughly enjoy that deep thinking session where i spend a good hour trying to run through ideas and work out different different angles about it and play what i could do with it uh, unfortunately because of this whole week i haven't had that chance so therefore i cannot confidently find myself at open, open mic night and be like oh, i got this new bit huh i'm gonna try this new bit i, I can't do that right however what i do do is as i've told people many times the minimum I do is every single day I have to write a journal entry. Yes, I know. You might be thinking, well, how, what's wrong with you? Are you a four-year-old kid? No, I'm just saying. Because it forces me to still do the writing. Now, this is another thing I tell people that in comedy and in any creative work, it's much like a muscle where you may be doing, for example, like if I want to be a bodybuilder and you know I'm out there at a construction site working, heavy lifting stuff, fantastic, right? But it's very different when you deliberately practice on something versus doing action that is kind of a practice. In in other words, if I want to practice music, I need to sit there and really practice music instead of just saying, I, 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 was, I was jamming with some friends. I'm like, yeah, that's practice in a different level. So in the same with comedy, it's very different to just get ideas and jot them down, but versus really working it out. So my journal entry is my bare minimum to force me to have to kind of put everything together, put my whole day together and like write it out, which forces me to kind of like... Uh, 
ingest and congest all the interesting things that's happened to me. For example, like even today, I'll give you an example, right? So I'm actually over here. This is Sunday, the 25th of June. I just came back from hosting, uh, well, co-hosting or helping out at the World Refugee Day celebrations at PMQ, uh, where uh, Christian Action Center for Refugees had their event over there, right? And so that is my day. And I found myself with a bit of time now before I have a dinner event for my the special the special lady has a birthday celebration tonight, which I definitely am looking forward to meeting her and, and hang out with them. This is basically for me to somehow put it all together. And tonight when I write that journal entry, I've got to write my whole day, but not in like, oh, woke up, had breakfast, went to this gig, spoke into the mic and introduced people, came home, did the podcast, and then uh, had dinner with the girlfriend and her family and went home and slept. That's 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 bland. What I need to do is make it into a story. So it forces me, even though tonight I couldn't really have a time to sit at my ideas and kind of put it all together and say, oh, is this funny? How can I play with that? It forces me to have to, uh, take whatever happened today and making it into a little mini presentation. And that's the one thing I keep telling anybody new to comedy. I always say the best thing you can do for yourself, if you ask me, is every single day write no matter what. However, what I find is that because we're all busy, rent is too high, stuff like that, we don't have that kind of time, which again is very fair. So the next best thing you can do is try to write about your day, you know, for, for 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever, and get that done so you got that little workout. In other words, it's kind of like saying mobility training, right, where you move your limbs and stuff, and if every you just keep moving your limbs a bit you'll never find yourself with stiff arms and stiff backs and stuff like that but the idea is that you don't have to move your limb for like a whole hour workout even if you do that 10 minutes it's still keeping that those limbs lubricated you get it so you got that as well now that is the the actual things that are happening however the the next most common question i do get asked is like so viv like you know how do you even say organized Okay, so let me take you back to way back before comedy. Before comedy, if you all know, I was a self-employed web designer slash developer and being self-employed, which means every minute, if I'm not making money, I'm losing money, la la la, all that kind of stuff. And I got really big onto productivity and you know trying to understand how to stay organized with time management and stuff like that. Now, what I have learned over time, <laughs> no pun intended, what I've learned is that time management, productivity, and basically being organized is more of an art than science because what the system says you should do doesn't mean that the world works this way. In other words, if anybody out there knows a system called the GTD, getting things done system, there's a certain workflow of how you work with things, right? How you put things into your inbox and stuff like that. And the rule of thumb by David Allen, the author of this method is, is that when you have a to-do list, okay, let's say you have A, B, C, D, and E. No matter what happens, you always follow the same order. In other words, whether A takes two hours or 10, you do not skip to B just because B is easier. Now, the reason for that obviously is a simple discipline because otherwise you'd end up never doing A because A sucks and you don't want to do it. So you keep doing B, C, D, E, B, C, D, E and never get to A. Very fair. Totally understand that. However, when you're self-employed, though, the terrible part of that is that when you're self-employed, <laughs> you are the worst boss and the worst staff at the same time. In other words, what it is is that it's a battle of willpower. Now, you know you should do A, but you're at the same time thinking, well, no one's going to stop me from doing B, so let me do B instead. And that's the biggest challenge is that I find over the years is that as much as I know A needs to be done, what I do find is that time is limited. In other words, if I take two hours to do A or two hours to do B, C, D, and E, chances are it's more ROI, in other words, return on investment, if I do B, C, D, E, E. Sorry, B, C, D, E, right? To get that done in the two hours rather than only doing A. And then praying to whatever superpower you believe in is that somehow you squeeze another two hours somewhere. So 
it's really more of a juggling act of trying to make a decision of, you know, should I do this first or do that first kind of a thing at the same time, just getting it done. Okay. So I have a, I have a full blown system and I'll teach everybody over here. If we're ever having a conversation, okay. And I'm talking to you, I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting. Right? And you're telling me stuff that you do. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. I got to check it out. Right? And if I do all that stuff and you find at no point during my discussion with you, did I take out my phone or a notepad or something to write down what I want to do? I can pretty much guarantee it will not happen. In other words, let's say we're having a conversation. You're like, hey man, you, know, you really should check out the sculpture over at the Heritage Museum. And if you hear me go, oh, that's so cool. I got to definitely check it out, right? I love this kind of stuff. And if at no point do I take out my phone, you can pretty much write that off as, yeah, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's just that I guarantee if I don't write it down, my memory is so bad. In other words, I have conditioned myself to the point that I'm not going to remember the stuff, hence why I write it down. And if I don't write it down, it, it's out. We're, we're pretty much you can conclude, yeah, he's not, he's not going to do it. Forget it, right? So that's a simple trick to kind of read me. So if I ever play a game of poker, right, and let's say you're all like, oh, hey, babe, how are your hands and stuff? You know, you really should take this class. It'll teach you a lot of, you know, skills in poker. And if I go like, really, that's Sounds great. And if I don't write it down, just throw it away. That, that never, that, that discussion never even happened. That's basically what it is. Okay. Number two, the thing I like to do is that I don't trust people. In other words, it's not that I hate people or anything. It's just that I somehow don't trust myself as a person because I'm like, I'm unreliable. I have emotions and some days I'm in a good mood. Some days I'm in a bad mood. So I try my best to not to rely on a human being to do my job for me. Uh, of course, it can be very taxing because some things you do need humans. For example, let's say you need a pep talk. It's very difficult to get Google Home or like, you know, Amazon Echo to give you a, a pep talk. But, you know, you need a person to do it. But for someone to be able to give you that thing, you have to make sure that they are 100% reliable, which is why most of my systems are automated or simply digital or, you know, computerized. In other words, my to-do list will not be a paper written list. It's all computerized because should I lose my computer, it's still on the cloud, stuff like that. And should the day come, I can't access the cloud. Trust me, I think my to-do list is not my biggest problem at this moment, right? Okay. So all that kind of stuff. Hence what I'm trying to say, and I'm sure by the, what we've been discussing for like 20 minutes, I pretty much geeked you out of my life behind the scenes, which I'm sure at this point you're like, okay, Viv, you know what, dude, I really joined this podcast because it's called Ho Ho Hong Kong and Ho Ho usually signifies a lot of, you know, happy, laughter. What you have done is simply just, you know, hustle, hustle, Hong Kong. That's all you've done. You just basically just like talked about your job and what you do. Like, oh my God, look at this narcissist talking about himself. Well, first of all, let me clarify something, okay? I am trying to talk to myself, looking at a screen, watching a, an audio waveform of my own voice project on the screen and somehow trying to find inspiration. Now you might say, well, Viv, you know what you could do? You could prepare for this podcast. I actually have, all right? I've actually prepared different topics. For example, topic number one was behind the scenes. Topic number two was organization. Topic number three is moving forward. I have stuff like that. Okay. So I do know where I'm going with it. I don't exactly know the same, the words I'm going to be saying. Okay. It's real simple like that. Again, this is all happening. Thanks to Mohammed suddenly having to go to Egypt and myself being a bit too busy to schedule time with him to have this podcast episode, which again, I have no problem with. All right. I'm not saying I'm complaining, but what I am saying is that I'm like, buddy, I love these kinds of challenges. And I challenge anyone out there listening to this podcast, try your hand at talking to yourself for a good 20 minutes. And I guarantee at some point you're going to be thinking like, wow, this is crazy. I, I can't believe I'm talking to a screen for 20 minutes on my own. All right. So having said that, though, I do want to say a few more things is that uh, as much as I may be, you know, this, this, this control freak or, you know, perfectionist kind of mentality, 
a lot of comedy, what I do find, has a lot of overlap with jazz. Now, I say that because a lot of times I've been to events where they have MCs and I'm the performer or, you know, I'm a guest at an event and stuff like that. And I find a lot of MCs, you know, they're, they're doing the job elegantly. I totally understand. I totally appreciate, you know, they're up there. They got the cue cards. They're saying the words clearly. They're enunciating every word. Fantastic. But what I do find, though, much like music, is that if you play every note perfectly, it doesn't really connect with the audience. In other words, if I spoke like this and I said, good afternoon, everyone, I will now tell you joke number one. If I did that, you would automatically think like this guy thinks he's an elitist. He thinks he's too good for us. This does it. I'm not really connecting with this person. What you do need is, you know, give and take, you know, this is not really working, kind of go with the flow. Oh my God, the light's not perfect. So, you know, I'm going to have to somehow step in the light and exaggerate my, my expressions and stuff like that. And that's what I find with every single day with whatever you do. Every person I've spoken to who has been doing what they've done for the last 10 plus years has hit a point where it is no longer a challenge of doing the gig. The gig is actually the easiest. I was talking to Dr. Jason Leung about this, about you know doing shows and doing touring, and he's been traveling around the world doing his shows, which I'm so happy that you know he we made Hong Kong work out. I'll tell you a story, right? In the beginning, when we were trying to sort out his date for Hong Kong, we were going back and forth, back and forth about, you know, oh, can we, you know, find a venue, this and that? And when we did find the venue, oh my goodness, can we put this all together? This kind of thing. A lot of that, right? So he was telling me about his his uh, different shows around the world, and he, and he and I both agreed on the one thing. In the whole comedy show we're involved in, the easiest part for both of us is actually when we're on stage performing. Now, I'm not saying comedy is easy. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of prep work in that. What I am saying is that that's the one thing that we can finally have total control over. In other words, if the lights are correct, if the sound is correct, all that stuff needs to be done ahead of time. But the moment the show started and I'm on a stage, not only do I have no choice but to basically, you know, stay on stage and do the show, what I do have is that that is the moment finally where it's no longer relying on anything else. It's all me now. And that's the one thing I'm the most confident about where I'm like, okay, you know what? I've done this many, many times. I'm, 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 I'm good. You know, I know this will work. Let's get this done. And that's the one fascinating thing that I find. More and more people I talk to who are, let's say, performers, they will all say the same thing. It's the prep work that burns you. It's the, it's the anticipation that burns you. The actual show itself is like no big deal. We've done it so many times. We're like, yeah, I, I know somehow instinctually I will figure it out. So let me ask you this. How many of you, whatever you're doing, have you had a moment to kind of think like, oh, yeah, you know, am I am I on autopilot? You know, do I just do the, the SSDD, in other words, same shit, different day? Or am I the type of guy that I can rely on myself and say, okay, you know what? When it's go time, when it comes to the moment you know, I have to do my thing, I know I can do it. So let me handle everything else that I can't be sure about. But the one thing I'm sure about, I'll leave that aside and I'll, I'll figure it out when I'm on on the stage. And that happens to all comedians. I'll tell you this. I, I, I've spoken to so many and this is one of the curious things I keep loving to ask them. And I, I just want to know because is it just me or is it a thing? And the more I speak to them, the more I'm just like, yeah, you know what? It's all very similar. Every performer says the same thing about the performance is the easiest part. It's the prep work. It's the getting there that's the hardest part compared to the actual show itself. So that's another thing. Moving forward for me is that it really makes me kind of rethink a lot of things that I do. I'm like, oh, okay. So I could actually pour, put more effort into the prep work. In other words, I'm not saying, you know, I'll just go up on stage and just like yak away. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that the prep work as in the open mic nights, the lighting, the sound, the seating, the arrangement, the posters, the promotions, and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, let me, let me try to focus more on that. That. So that way, the show production level goes much higher up, right? So for example, if you've ever been to uh, my solo shows and stuff, 
you'll you'll see that I get quite uh, picky when it comes to the the music I use, the visuals, the lighting, and stuff like that. Obviously, like not every single time can I be in full control, but for the ones that I get to control, I'm like, dude, I need to know exactly what's happening. For example, I know Dr. Jason Leung, I know his personality, I know his type, and I know like he's into he's into metal just like myself, and I know what type of intro music he wants. So even without him having to tell me. And or even sending me his video or, or audio that he wants. I already picked like a royalty-free audio and stuff like that because of course licensing issues, whatever. And I made a graphic and animation to introduce him when he pops on stage. Like I was to the point that I was like, okay, you know what? I, I know him enough that I know this is going to be fine. He'll be okay with it. Done and done. I wouldn't be like, hey, is this okay if I do this? Can you approve this? I'm like, buddy, the show's tonight. I already know this is going to be fine. Just to let you know this is what's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And these are the things because like when you work with someone long enough, you know exactly what their values are. In other words, I don't have to guess exactly what he's thinking. But what I do need to guess is that, you know, if I were him or like this kind of personality, what does he eventually want? He wants that rock, like that, 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 that impressive initial walk in like, whoa, this is it. It's Jason Leon. Oh my goodness. Right. That kind of expression. I'm like, done. I will take care of it somehow visually, audibly, whatever needs to go. I will make it happen. Right. So all these things put together, I find that ultimately is that as a comedian or as a performer yourself as well, if you are a performer, when the day comes that you wake up one day and go like, oh, you know what? The easiest part of my job actually is the show itself. You know you're at another level. You get it? Like before it would be like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. You know, well, I, I want to be funny. Will they laugh? This or that. But when it comes to a point, you're like, I will somehow make them laugh. Like uh, whatever happens, I, you know, I've done this enough where like if that doesn't work, I can go into this. I'm, I'm good. It's the, everything else. For example, when I get like private events, uh, I, go, I, I go to the room and I'm more worried about like how's the light, how's this, how's that versus like, okay, what bits am I going to say tonight? Because I'm like, I have a library of stuff. I'll figure it out when I go. All right, so that's the behind the scenes. That's the what I'm doing and that's the moving forward of me as a comedian myself. However, um, another thing I get asked a lot is, okay, so then how do I start? How, where, where do I go? Now, we've actually talked about this before on the podcast, you know, the beginnings of comedian, you know, uh, kind of workshops and how to begin with your own comedy thing. Now, for me, I've spoken to so many people where I keep telling them, don't overthink it to start off with. And I'll tell you now as well. You know, we're kind of in the middle of the year. If there were any, you know, New Year's resolutions you wanted to do by now, either they're working or they're not. I totally get it. Like for myself, there was so many things I wanted to do. I wanted to learn how to draw. I wanted to, you know, play some instruments, stuff like that. I did some, didn't do some. Life is such that, you know, things happen. For example, you know, here I am today doing this, trying to record the, the podcast, letting you know about my life and everything. And as much as maybe like tonight, I'll be like, oh, you know what? It'd be so cool if I could just, you know, a Sunday evening, sit at home and read a book. But I'm like, you know, life happens. And again, I have gone way past the whole like oh if only i could like daddy i'm not even gonna fight with that anymore like this is life let's accept it let's go with it right so same with you if you find yourself that whatever you do there were things you wanted to do this year and it never happened this is the moment for you to kind of reflect and think about you know maybe i could start maybe i could do little bite sizes and stuff because another tip i keep telling people is that it's better that you spend every single day 10 minutes thinking about comedy or thinking about ideas than somehow trying to cram in a whole hour's worth of idea generation or writing at like the weekend it just doesn't work because there's so much pressure think about it if i tell you have exactly one hour to give me three ideas you're like oh my god that's that's nerve-wracking, you know, just the, just the stress of the idea is too much. However, if I told you, you have basically four days of 15 minutes each to come up with the idea, 
the idea that it's spread over four days, you're like, I, I think I can do this. I think I'm good. I'm good. Where the truth is, the deeper concentration of one hour actually probably gives you more ROI, as in more and more ideas. However, the idea that you're not pressure, pressured into one segment makes it easier, which helps you with your creativity. All right. Okay, now I know at this point I probably lost a bunch of you guys, which is, again is no problem. I'm mean, just saying sophisticated stuff requires sophisticated minds, right? But what I am saying is that whether whatever you're doing as well, I hope you understand that the other side of comedy is not so much like a chaos and like having fun and everything. We definitely do. I mean, after Jason Leung's show, I, I, the reason I keep using Jason Leung's show as an example is because, you know, hanging out with local comedians, you know, you do it all the time, no big deal, right? But with Jason over here, we finished the show, we packed up, and let me tell you, I every time after a show, I, I, I always want certain people to stay back and watch the after show hustle, the breaking down of the stage, like me and Mo going up onto the little genie lift, trying to adjust the spotlights back to the original position, stuff like that, the, the total um, letdown. The, 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 the non-adrenaline rush, the non-rockstar thing, we're peeling off labels off of chairs, that's right, people. The seating chairs, A1, A2, A3, like that's those labels, we were manually peeling them off one by one to give PMQ their chairs back, okay? And I was doing it, Jason was doing it, all these guys were kind of doing it, we, you know, we just had to get the job done. After that, we all go for dinner, we had a good time, have a good chat, stuff like that, hung out with Jason for a bit, and then he was out of, out of the country by the next day, right? So my point is that, a lot of times we don't see that behind the scenes hustle and I'm more than happy to tell people about it because the more I learn and I told you I, I love reading biographies and the more I read people's biographies the more I'm like huh so they all went through something like this huh okay so it's not just me or like oh they just got lucky they actually went through the same hard pay or dues route okay I mean I guess I'm on the right route right path if I have to do this as well right like I'm reading a book called Seinfeldia which is basically a whole story behind the scenes of what Seinfeld the TV show that changed the world and it's really fascinating because, again, as you know, I'm a fan of Jerry Seinfeld simply because, you know, he was the only option I had growing up. So I had to watch his comedy and very much influenced me. However, watching like the Seinfeldia, I'm reading about Seinfeldia where it's talking about, you know, how it all came together. Like, for example, Larry David kind of you know, getting nervous about can he keep going with this stuff or the requirements where people pitch ideas from real life. And I just love that whole idea. I'm like, huh, OK, so the show is awesome. Yeah, but man, the, 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 the creation side of the things, man, that was gruesome right that was really really difficult but again it's all when you see that you're like okay so that's what it took to get that kind of a level of a show so if I were to be of that level I should expect this kind of effort so that's the final thing I tell people where get your manager expectations where instead of you know saying okay you know what I'm going to start writing comedy every single day I'm going to go up on stage and just work my time and everything what I would say is that try your best to simply uh, look at your life and make adjustments now ideally I would love every single day to have you know, one to two hours to write comedy go to open mic every night and try out new ideas but that's not life and I've accepted that however what I'm telling you is that if you yourself at this point have any of those things that you started trying to do in 2023 and it hasn't kind of worked out or you know fizzled a little bit this is your chance where in, where basically in July which basically pretty much you could say technically you know when the beginning of the second half which means this is the february of you know the, the second half of 2023 which is the perfect time people okay let's be honest january things are exciting we do it all i mean it fizzles right and in february we have chinese new year and that's what i love i always tell people chinese new year is my real new year in other words it's January is like the rehearsal where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, these are great ideas. Let me let me try all of them and see what sticks. And when February or Chinese New Year time comes, I'm like, all right, whatever stuck, 
Let me see if I can improve those. The one or two things that kind of fell off and, it, and I really want to do it, let me see if I can make it happen. Otherwise, you know, the ones that I'm like, yeah, that fizzled, but yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't happen. For example, I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? Every single day, I'm going to spend like 30 minutes meditating and blah, 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 right? And then things happen. It's the nighttime. You're about to go to sleep and you're like, man, I'm so tired. You tell me to meditate now. I could just like fall right asleep. I don't need to meditate to do that. Same thing, right? So it's kind of forces me to go, you know what? The meditation thing, maybe two or three minutes a day is more than enough because I spend a lot of time, quote unquote, non-officially meditating for, you know, gigs, getting ready for the stage, you know, when I'm traveling and I'm trying to, you know, just basically blank my, my, my mind so that I can kind of be ready for the next thing I have ahead of me. So, you know, it's got its own little variations. All right. Finally, I am very curious why the hell, uh, and this, uh, this is the last thing on my list is that, you know, Muhammad equals Egypt. Now, let me explain something to you. Yesterday, I messaged Muhammad, right? So today is Sunday, the 25th of June. I messaged Muhammad yesterday. I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm really sorry, but I'm really busy. Uh, I My whole Sunday is packed, and that means if we want to record the podcast, I can at best go meet you on Monday at around 11 a.m. because I have a school talk I'm doing on Monday morning uh, in, in Wong Chukang, and after that, I can quickly zoom over to your place, bring the mixer and everything, we can record. And that's when he's like, oh, ah, sorry, I completely forgot to tell you, I'm going to go to Egypt, which first of all, that is not something you just throw on your friend like, oh, I'm just going to eat. You're like, what? Huh? Hold on. Wait, what? There was no hint. Any, Everybody, whoever's been listening to this podcast all this time, and no way did Muhammad even hint the idea that he's going to be going to Egypt, right? No way. There was no like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of feeling homesick. Oh, hey, man, you know, I'm trying to explore the world for opportunities. Oh, hey, man, you know, I was, I was trying to talk to some people about ideas, which makes me really question our little quote-unquote friendship. Yes, I use quote-unquote because that is what he quotes our relationship as. But now I'm thinking, rethinking like, hmm, 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 what's his definition of friendship? Hmm, right? So he's going to Egypt. I have no idea why. He gave me no information. He was just like, ah, buddy, I'm sorry. I'll be in Egypt and stuff like that. And I'm like, ah, what are we going to do? Now, I'm going to sit here and try to think of different things he's probably going to Egypt to do. First of all, let's get the easy ones off the top of our head. Going to see the pyramid, not happening. Going to see the little sphinx and all that, not happening. I get, I bet you anything. It's much like someone like myself who was born and raised in Hong Kong and being told, hey, Viv, let's go watch the 8 p.m. light show. And I'm like, how about uh, you do that with the app, as Mo said. And I'm going to continue with my life because, uh, yeah, no, right? So in the same way, I highly doubt he's going to go there and be like, hey, guys, I need to see the pyramid. I just I just need to be in the same space as that, right? It's not happening. Okay. Second thing, I'm guessing this family, I, I, I hope so. I mean, it'll be kind of weird if he's going there and he's like, yeah, I don't want to see you guys. You will never know that I'm there. Maybe that's why he's keeping it down, though. Maybe. Maybe he's going there for work and he's like i only have this much time and if my family finds out i gotta do the family run where i gotta meet all these relatives and the one uncle i don't meet is gonna get upset and then somehow in 20 years time you know when i'm when i contact this uncle and i'm like hey man i need some help he's like oh you never visit me in 2023 how dare you come back to me in 2048 and be like you need my help you never thought of me as family blah 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 right so you have that thirdly i think maybe for all i know he's going down to egypt to simply kind of get perspective. Like maybe you, you, when you're in Hong Kong, when you're in one place for too long, you kind of forget, you know, the perspective of things. Maybe he's going there and, you know, uh, he's, he's going over there and he's like, okay, you know what? Hong Kong, you know, it's really hot. It's really humid. The air is not the great and everything. Goes down to Egypt. He's like, huh, you know what? Hong Kong's pretty good. Hong Kong's pretty damn good. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying Egypt is bad. What I'm saying is that I know him. What he will do is you need perspective. You learn to go to the worst places, right? In other words, if you want to feel that your house doesn't stink, all you have to do is go down on a Saturday night 
uh, at 4 a.m. and go to, I don't know, like an alley in Lan Kwai Fong where pretty much 23 people have just finished puking. And you go there, you're like, you know what? My house is pretty good. You know what? That scented candle is not so bad. I'll take it. I'll take it any day. So these are the things I'm trying to guess. He has given me no clue. Uh, I, I do hope um, maybe he might, you know, in the future episode, tell us what he did over there. And if he doesn't, let's just assume that it's really shady, right? Let's just assume it's a shady stuff that he's, he's like, oh, Egypt, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of that place, right? If he does something like that, like completely denies the whole trip, then we know for sure this guy was just, you know, lying out of his ass and like, I was in uh, Egypt, uh, yeah, because I had to uh, collect some expired milk, yes. And I'm like, what? Yes, uh... So we have this bottle of milk in the fridge and uh, my brother just moved out and he completely forgot it. And I was like, buddy, we can't leave milk in the fridge. Let me go down to Egypt and collect it for you. Well, you know, because um, it's not it's not nice. It's not, it's, it's you know, we're polite people. Nice. I'm, something like that. He'll make us some, some weird story where I'm like, buddy, that is so unconvincing. Right? All right. Last thing, everybody. Now, you might be thinking like, this guy can talk nonstop. I am mighty impressed. Well, let me tell you this. We're just hitting the 39, 40-minute mark and... Let me tell you, this is me on the podcast. If you want to see me talking nonstop for a whole hour, I have some treats for you because on the 29th of June, over at Padre at H Code at 9 p.m., I'm doing my solo English comedy show. Now, here's the trick. Because that's a bar and a lounge. They're giving us you know, cabaret-style tables. In other words, you got to come and book a table to watch the show. We are down to the last two tables, which is a table of six or a table of eight. Now, you might say, ah, Viv, I mean, <laughs> you're asking for too much. I mean, I don't have six other friends and I don't have so many people I know. Well, here's the trick, okay? You can come in and book the whole table. Be a baller. They will serve you six drinks for a table of six. And you can come watch the show alone. Yeah. And I will tell you this, the table of eight, the front table of the whole room is still empty, which means you, you could come to, to the show, get that whole table, sit there with one drink and have seven other drinks next to it and just lean back and not even take a sip and just stare at me the whole time and like freak me out. You could do that, right? How do you do that? Real simple. Tickets.funnyvivac.com in case you just want to know. Uh, I probably won't be doing my solo show for a while because I'll be traveling in August. Uh, but I will be doing shows. I'm not retiring. Relax. Okay. I'm not going to be. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a vow of silence. None of that. Basically, uh, I'm going to be doing regular English shows. We have a whole bunch happening in, in July as well. So the point is that this is my own solo show. That I Basically, it's my Melbourne show with a few variations. I'm doing my Cantonese show at 7 p.m. followed by by the English show at 9 p.m. And I know some of the audience are staying for both shows, which I love. I absolutely love the idea of someone watching two shows in two different languages and seeing the overlap. I always tell people around 50% of the shows are the same content, but it is so much fun to hear the same bit where you know exactly what's going to be happening, but be like, oh, how is he going to say it in, in Cantonese? Oh, how is he going to say it in English? Oh, oh wow, that's I see what he did over there. I like that. I like that. It's a very different attitude. It's a different wording, different phrasing, stuff like that. So if you want to do that, check it out. Otherwise, remember to go to the backstage HK. Um, check out whatever shows are happening. Mo, hopefully, he's doing a show maybe from Egypt. I have no idea. Again, he's not here to represent him, so I can shit on him as much as I want. Haha, <laughs> that's right, Mo. You're fat. Hey, see? He did not deny it, so we can accept that that's the truth. All right. So, lastly, I want to say is that um, I have actually run out of, of, of lists. I'm sorry, I've run out of items on my list for today's podcast. So I am going to somehow, for the next three minutes, everybody, just wing it off the top of my head. That is right. I'm going to simply talk like, you know, just random whatever is happening. So let me begin with this. 
I have to go to the hospital all the time for, you know, checkups and stuff like that. Secondly is that, have you noticed that the Hong Kong hospitals, they require you to wear a face mask, okay? The other day, I went to the hospital. I did not wear, take my face, face mask. I went in. They're like, ah, oh, sorry, face mask. I'm like, ah. And all I had to do, all I had to do, all I had to do was go take blood, all right? I had an appointment coming. They were like, we need a blood sample from you. Good, done. I, and it was on the same floor as the entrance. It's on the ground floor. Anybody been to Queen Mary Hospital, you would know the blood taking station is on the ground floor of the S block. And the entrance of the S block is also on the ground floor of the S block. And I'm literally, literally just simply 20 seconds away from getting my blood taken. But without the face mask, I can't go in. Now, what they have smartly done is they have put a vending machine with face masks on it. All right. Now, I was like, okay, fine, let me get it. $6.50, people, Six fifty for a face mask, single, all right? Okay, now, if you know these vending machines, they have, you know, you, oh, they have a whole bunch of stuff, and like A1, A2, A3 is like your chips, B1, B2, B3 is like drinks, stuff like that, right? And you key in what you want, you pay the money, and then the machine like just pushes that item forward, and it falls down, you pick it up, right? Of course, Mr. Lucky Old Guy here pays the six fifty for the face mask, okay? Goes there, machine jammed. I'm like, ah... Now, I look at the help, the staff, the staff is like, eh. And I'm going to say, yeah, you're not going to help me, right? You, you can't do anything. Fine, whatever. And then I pay another 650 and then two masks fall down. I'm like, oh, fine. I put on the mask. I put on the mask, people. I go to the blood taking station and they have these tickets to get your number so you can get your blood taken. Now, okay, fair. Now, first of all, I highly respect and appreciate the Hong Kong uh, system where they take your blood with no mercy. The reason is why, because they have like hundreds of people per minute trying to take blood, and they have no time for nothing. They're like, you better get your vein out ready for me to go, otherwise I am poking that thing somewhere and somehow blood's going to come out, okay? I go there, my number is 157, and I look up at the screen, the screen is at 52, and I'm like, wait, hold on, I'm very confused. And I asked them, I was like, hi, excuse me, it says 52, now I'm 157. Like, yeah, you got, you got 105 people ahead of you. And I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, what? Uh-oh, uh-oh. So I'm, I'm, I'm standing there thinking to myself, that's like an easy one and a half hour wait. Oh man, I, I'm not going to make it. I have to go. You know what day that was? That was on Tuesday morning when I had to go to all the way to Clearwater Bay, people, for the golf thing. That's right. So I'm standing there, right? And I'm like, ah, what do I do? Um, Okay, you know what? Screw it. Let me just go. I'll just go to my gig and I'll do it another day. So here I am, $13 out from face mask I would never use again. Did not take my blood. I left, took the face mask off. And I was like, man, what just happened? Okay, then, then I go back the next day. All right, I go back the next day. Now, Tuesday was my charity gig. Wednesday, I go back and I go in the afternoon because like Mr. Smart Guy figured out the system. Go in the morning, everyone's trying to cram it in. Go in the afternoon, nobody's there. So I go in the afternoon at around 3.30 p.m. My appointment for my blood uh, checking stuff is on is on Friday, which means Wednesday afternoon, I'm there, take my blood, all good. Yes, yes, yes. Problem is this. Thursday is Dragon Boat Day, which means that's a public holiday, which means they don't do their blood count and everything on that day. So Friday morning, I go back to the hospital. I go for my appointment. I see the doctor. The doctor's like, hi, Viv. And I'm like, hi. He's like, yeah, your blood numbers haven't come back. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Now, first of all, the one time, the one time I don't mind the doctor taking their time to see me, so there's more time for the lab to send the report back, they see me within 15 minutes of my appointment time. My appointment time was 10.45. They saw me at 11, and I was like, buddy, 
the one time I needed you to take your time, you were speeding up. This is not fair. And they tell me like, hey, I'm really sorry. We don't have your numbers. So we'll see if there's any issue. We'll call you back. Which makes me question, why don't they just do that directly? Like if I have an appointment on Friday and they're simply going to be looking at my numbers and then telling me if I have any issues, just do this. Just call me on Friday. If I have an issue, then I'll come and see you, right? Like, why, why are we going there to be told, yeah, you're good, you can go home now? Like, this is unnecessary. Again, I say this because I'm simplifying things. I'm sure there's a sophisticated system where they have to go through this process and that process and it has to be officially said, much like lawyers have to officially witness you sign something that you clearly signed, but okay, fine, whatever it is, right? And all that stuff happened. I am a healthy person, healthy as a whistle. Everything is good for me. Um, on the other hand, no idea about, about Mohammed right now. I have no idea what's happening with him. Maybe he's in Egypt. Maybe he's taking his blood. Hey, maybe. I think I figured it out. He's gone to Egypt to save money on a medical checkup. I think I did it. That's it, everyone. I think I solved this mystery. We're going to find out from Mohammed whether or not he went all the way down to Egypt to simply get told if he has to get a sphincter check. check see what I did? See, see, uh, never mind. Mohammed, I miss you so much. Please come back so I can talk to somebody rather than myself. But hey, thanks for tuning in and letting me entertain you or maybe not entertain you, but entertain myself for a good, what, it's like 47 minutes right now. Da -da -da -da. Look at this guy. And uh, again, if you feel that 47 minutes of your life was wasted, then uh, please, by all means, listen to the next episode where it probably won't be so wasted. If you felt, wow, these 47 minutes were so worth my time and money. I love it. I need more of this stuff. Come check out my show or even follow us on Patreon, Patreon slash HoHoPod and see some bonus episodes where we talk about things with more preparation, more depth and more knowledge behind it. So thank you again for joining me today. It was a pleasure to tell you about the behind the scenes of what I do. If you have any questions you want to know more about what I do or what Mohammed does, by all means follow us on, on Instagram. You know, he's at the other Mohammed. I'm at Funny Vivek and just message us and say, hey, you know what? For the next Ho 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 podcast, could you please do me a favor and talk about this and, you know, Say something smart about it. And uh, we, the smart is always optional, but the topic can be selected by you. So by all means, let us know. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. Hey, you know what? That's how life is, right? Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Anyway, I'm hoping that Mohammed really did fly all the way down to Egypt to get his blood taken. And if he did, he would not have to wait for a whole hour. And even if he had to wait for a whole hour, hopefully if he had to use any vending machines to get any face masks or even snacks for that matter, he did not have to pay twice and then find out that he didn't need it after all. And there we go. That's 40, uh, 48 minutes of me yapping away. Hey, look at this guy. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, I'll see you next time. Keep tuning in to Ho Ho Hong Kong with me, Vivian Wild Bunny. And uh, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go. I think you're done. You have better things to do in your life. Go for it. L live big. Dream hard. What? Yes. Clearly, my brain has burnt.